The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Lord Jesus, it's unto you we've gathered today. Father, we thank you for your presence. By your Spirit, Holy Spirit, we adore you. We ask in every life present in this place, my Father, let your resurrection power break forth in the name of Jesus. Do that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. The grave is empty. He is risen. Jesus is alive. You know, and that's just the beauty of this whole experience that our God is alive and well. And well. Today we are going to learn the, 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 the plane of this series, um, The Beauty of the Cross. We started like four weeks ago and um, we explained in part one. We, we gave everybody the nails. We finished using the nails, by the way, yesterday. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> at, at, at the deliverance service. So you can have it as a souvenir. As a what? Not as Nehushtan. As a souvenir. Now, we, we explained that the first thing to use the nail on is the self. Is the flesh. We need to bring the flesh to the cross and crucify the flesh. And, 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 and we expounded by saying, by looking at self-righteousness. And we said self-righteousness must be taken to the cross and must be nailed. And we explained that the, one of the best things, if not the best thing, that can ever happen to you is for you to realize that you are not a good person and that you need help. Many times we think we are good people, but one of the best things that can happen to you is to realize that, Femi, you are not a good person. You need Jesus. You need help. And we said we should take self-righteousness and nail it to the cross. We should take self-confidence and nail it to the cross. We should take self-deception, stop deceiving ourselves and, and put it on the cross and nail it and take self-centeredness and, and nail it to the cross and, and take self-hatred and nail it to the cross. In, 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 and then we went on in the series in part two, we, ex we explained the, the fact that the major weapon of the enemy has success, that so, uh, he has successfully used against us has been removed at the cross of Calvary. His greatest boast of guilt, of condemnation, of accusation has been removed at the cross of Calvary. We explained that the enemy can accuse you, but the enemy cannot condemn you. You, you, you shouldn't try to stop. You know, many times we, we, we do a lot of, we put in a lot of effort to try to stop Satan from accusing us. But he's going to do his job. Let him, let him, let him call you filthy. Let him call you dirty. But just tell him, the verdict is out. I am, I am forgiven. I'm forgiven. God did not say, I am innocent. God said, I am forgiven. There's a huge difference. And we, we, we took it further by explaining that we are not only forgiven, we are justified. And we broke down justification. And what justification really may, means, justification by faith in Christ Jesus. And, and we saw last week that the implication of all this is that I am free and you are free. We are free from Satan and his demons. We are free. He has no hold over us. He has no power over us. I am free. We are free. And we also saw the second implication is we are not only free, we are empowered. We are empowered to demolish the work of Satan and his demons. We're empowered because 
God has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should, of things in the heavens, of things in the earth, and of things beneath the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, of God the Father. And we saw the third implication of this is that I'm not only free from Satan and, and, and court, I'm not only empowered to demolish his works, I'm also free to walk with God, and that is huge. I am free to walk with God. I am free to hear God. I am free to fellowship with God. And that is the beauty of the cross, that we that we were enemies of God have been brought close to God, and we can have fellowship with God. And today, we, we move into the resurrection story. Because of the significance of that and the fact that the story did not end with the cross. In fact, the cross is just the beginning of the story. So we take a text from John chapter 20 and we read from verse 11 to 29. John 20, 11 to 29. The word of God says that, that Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed two white angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him because she has been crying and her eyes were red and she couldn't see properly. Or maybe Jesus was disguised. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was a gardener. Even in her pain and anguish, she was still respectful. And she said, Sir, if you have taken him, just tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which in Hebrew is Hebrew for teacher. And she was going to hug teacher. You see, all she needed to hear was Jesus saying, Mary, there's, there's a way that God calls you. You know, when you have a relationship with someone, he calls you in a certain way, you know it is him. And he was going to hug Jesus, and Jesus says, no, don't, don't hug me. Don't cling on me. Jesus said, for I haven't ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers. I must say my brothers. I mean, Jesus calling us brothers. I will call it Peter. How can Jesus call Peter brother? Think about it. Anyway, let's go. That's not where we're going. <laughs> go and tell my brothers. Go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. Mary Madeline found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this mess, his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Because they were afraid. Everybody said they were afraid. That is important. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be unto you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Then he, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. 
if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed twin, had the habit of not attending church every Sunday. Was not with, his, with others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, <laughs> I will not believe him unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my finger into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Shouldn't he even feel bad that he missed service? And you're telling him more happy says that I, except I hate myself. 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas has learned his lesson and was attending every service and was with them. Then the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be unto you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hands into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Which means the discussions we have between ourselves, Jesus is hearing. Believe. And Thomas fell on his face. My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, You believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without saying. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, while we glory in the cross and marvel at the, at the cross and look at the beauty of the cross, we are not to stay at the cross. We are to move forward. Everybody say, move forward. While we are to rejoice at the cross and we are to admire the cross like, like the word of God um, admonishes us and like the song that we, we sing, when I survey, remember that song? The wondrous cross on which the king of glory my I can but not I pour content on all for be that I should boast in the cross of Christ my God all the big things that charms me most sacrifice the cross and relish the work of the cross. 
But beyond the cross is the beauty of it all, the resurrection of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So, having experienced the power of the cross, we are to move on to resurrection. While there is no resurrection without cross, there can be no resurrection without the cross. But the purpose of the cross is not in the cross. So this purpose of, of, the, of the cross, which represents the suffering and denial, is not in the suffering and denial. It's the, it's the, 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 the Paul says that I may know him, have partaken in the, in the suffering and the power of his resurrection. And his power of his resur- resur- resurrection. So we need to realize that we cannot experience resurrection without experiencing the cross. Every crown has a cross. For Jesus to be crowned the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he needed to go through the cross. Every glory has a story. Every one that will be great will have to go through the Friday. Every one that will experience resurrection significantly will have to Experience the denial, the betrayal, the slaps, the spitting on, the rejections. Everybody. And when you when we look at when we look at the cross, you know the beauty of the cross. One of the beauties of the cross is that Satan didn't see it coming. Satan didn't see it coming. All he saw was the Friday. All he saw was the slap. All he saw was the crucifixion. All he saw was what happened on the Friday. Satan did not see. Let's, let's say it happened on the Monday. Yeah, the Sunday. Yeah, it was a Sunday actually. Because the disciples now began to worship on a Sunday. Because they called it the day of the Lord. So Satan did not see Sunday. Why? Because he thought we've gotten him. You see, like, like Pastor Ebony was explaining at the devotional where we were teaching that, you know, sometimes you are going through a Friday situation and things are, are, are bad. But you should be encouraged because Sunday is coming. And sometimes you move from Friday, you're in Saturday where everything is gloomy and dark and lonely. But you see, I'm here to tell you that Sunday is not only coming, Sunday is here. (laughs) Every day, after the resurrection of Jesus, every day is resurrection day. Every day is resurrection day. Every day. So the enemy thought he had Jesus. You know, there's a story. If you've been with us for a while, I always tell this story at every Easter service. I can never get tired of telling this story. It's a super story. (laughs) Better than that super story. (laughs) So, there we were at Calvary. Jesus was spat out. They slapped him. They said, prophesy to us, who slapped you? He didn't answer a word. He didn't answer a word. Whipped him, tore his back. His skin was peeled. He was bleeding. They drove the nails into his hands. And they hung him. And the first words that came out, I mean, was, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they are doing. Someone just steps on your foot. You are saying, I will call down Holy Ghost fire on you. Abba. Abba. Anyway, that's, that's, not, that's not where we are going. So, Jesus was, was humiliated. He was crucified. And there was, there was rejoicing. And the sixth word that he said on the cross of Calvary, Jesus could not saw the pain. Or the fifth, let's start with the fifth word. With the fifth word, Jesus 
carry the, the, the sin of man. Was separated from the Father. And, and Jesus said, my, my, my Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? You know that, that, that scripture. And God, as it were, looked away because of the sin he was carrying. That was the only time fellowship was broken. And Jesus' heart was broken. And the sixth word, Jesus shouted, it is finished. And when Jesus shouted, it is finished, the enemy heard, I am finished. So the enemy thought Jesus was finished. You see, what is going on in your life? You see, the truth is that it is finished is different from I am finished. Jesus said it is finished. The work of salvation is finished. The work of redemption is finished. The work of health, healing, restoration of fellowship to the Father is finished. And he gave up the ghost. And he says, Father, the last word, unto your hands I commit my spirit. And there was rejoicing in hell. At that time, the whole, the Bible says that the sun became dark. Creation hid this, their face. They couldn't watch. But man, man was rejoicing. Man was the only creation that was rejoicing. At least those that were rejoicing there. And the point is this. The enemy incited people to kill Jesus and thought that that was the end. First Corinthians 2, you know, 8, 7 to 9 that we read last week. That if the enemy had known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan did not know that crucifying Jesus was the game changer. Satan thought, if I, could, if I can only get rid of this guy... So there was jubilation. And I can imagine Satan threw a, a seven-day long party. You know how the Jebu people do party? So the seven-day long party. And there was rejoicing. They were dancing. I mean, this is just imagination, okay? It's not in the Bible. <laughs> but it, I, I'm going to link it to the Bible. Just stay with me. They were, they were dancing. They were rejoicing. And, you know... And they were, the, the demons, I can imagine the principalities and powers saying to Satan, oh, you are, you're a master, you're a strategist. And Satan said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you guys we'll get him. And as they were rejoicing, and rejoicing, and rejoicing, and they were hearing footsteps, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> now, 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 listen to this. Satan would have said to a small angel, go and check who is that. Take it. Everybody is here. What is the full step we are hearing? And the, and the little demon, sorry, ran to the, to the gates of hell and checked and checked and came back and said, oh God, you will not believe it. You will not believe it. And Satan said what? He says, Jesus, it is him. And as he mentioned Jesus, all of them fell on their faces. And he said, I told you not to mention that name in this gathering. It can't be him. We finished him. It can't be him. Listen, there are many people here that the enemy thought they finished you. It can't be her. It can't be him. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are going to rise again and dumbfound them. So, so they, they all came to the gate. says, lock the gate. Lock the gate. Lock the gate. So they bolted the gate. They stood at the gate. And Jesus stood at the gate of hell. And an angel gave a blast and said, lift up your heads, O ye gates. And be ye lift up your everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. And, and, and by this time, Satan was peeing in his pants. And he was like, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. 
Lift up your hands, all ye gates. And be lift up here, everlasting us. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? At. At. At that point, the gate blasted open. Satan bruised the head of Jesus bruised the head of Satan as the scripture has prophesied God has prophesied in Genesis took the key of death and hell went to paradise set David, Abraham Noah set them free Ephesians 4, he led captivity captive and led a train to heaven. But when he was going to heaven and they were on their way to heaven, he heard a cry in the garden, Mary. And Jesus said, this is the most important thing I have come to do, to shed my blood. I need to take my blood to the altar in heaven and complete the sacrifice. But you see, Isaiah 4, a broken reed, it will not break. A smoken flax, it will not put out. David says, you will not despise a contrite heart. God, there's something in God that cannot resist somebody that is truly broken. So Jesus, he was carrying the most important assignment ever. And he said to them, David, Abraham, everyone, the angels, guys, I need to attend to this guy. If you read scriptures, the Bible says that people begin to see they are dead ones, that were dead, the righteous ones, you know, for a bit. Somebody will say, let me quickly go and greet my grandchildren. <laughs> so David, so Jesus came and said, first tested her, who are you looking for? If her heart was not right, it would have gone. And he saw that she was really, really looking for him. And he said, Mary. And he said, Rabboni. And he was going to hug Jesus. If Mary had hugged Jesus, that would have defiled the work. All the sacrifice on the cross would have become nothing. Imagine the risk that Jesus took. Huge risk. Huge risk. He took a huge risk just because he couldn't ignore the cry of a little woman. He put everything on the line just because Mary was heartbroken. Let me tell you something. If you're a real child of God, God doesn't play with your, with your heartbreak. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, he attends to it. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't touch me. We read that scripture. I have not yet ascended to my father. I have not yet completed the sacrifice. And Mary, you know, left him. But some of us said, I will still touch you. But Mary was spiritual. And left him. And Jesus went and completed it. And here we are today. And that is why if you check the, the teaching of the early church, I mean, by God's grace, I do, I do I'm, a, I'm a student of, of the early church. I'm a student of church history. The, the, the teaching of the early church is mostly about the, in fact, you can say it's all about the resurrection of Jesus. You will hardly see them talk about 10 ways to financial breakthrough. I'm telling you, read the Bible. They talk about the resurrection of Jesus because they know if you can contact the resurrection power, that is all you need. Praise the name of the Lord. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus. If you read Acts 17, 2 to 3, that's, we won't read it, you can write it down. Paul was talking about the resurrection of Jesus. If you check Paul was saying in Philippians 3, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I mean, the outcry of Peter, James, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, 
that I may experience the resurrection power. And I'm praying today that as a church, our hunger will be that we will experience resurrection power. And our testimony will be an evidence of resurrection power. When we look at the life of Jesus, not many people, in fact, not many enlightened people will doubt if Jesus ever lived. You know that. Not many enlightened people will doubt or will argue if Jesus ever lived. Why? Because there are too many historical proofs that Jesus lived, that he was crucified. Too many. But what you will see that folks will argue about is, did he really resurrect? Did he really rise again? You and I are believers. We believe the Bible. We believe the word. We believe Jesus is alive. But not everybody believes. And there may be some of you are sitting down here. You don't believe. You are still in that place where you are wondering, is this thing true? You are like, Peter, if I don't touch it, I will not believe it. Oh, you used to believe, but your faith is, is dangling. God is going to silence the doubt in your life in Jesus' name. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, During the 40 days after he suffered, he died. He appeared and died, sorry. He appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved, and was approved, he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So there, are, there were witnesses that Jesus resurrected. There are people that saw him. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4, 1 Corinthians 15, 4, the word of God says that he was buried, this is Paul's own account, and he was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scripture has said, he was seen by Peter and by the twelve. And that he was seen by more than what? 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive at the time of this writing. Go and ask them. Though some have died, then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And he went, Paul went on to say, and I also saw him. Even though I was not with them then, I saw him, I saw Jesus so I know people that have seen Jesus personally, but I'm not even going to bring their account. But let's look at these people. Look at the lives of these people. They say they saw Jesus. How can they say they saw Jesus? Why should we believe them? Why should we believe that they actually saw Jesus? You know, one of the greatest witness of why we should believe that they saw Jesus was in how they actually died. If you check the end of their lives, now, I, I, I just Googled, you know, Google is a very powerful research too, <laughs> how the disciples died. You don't even need to put disciples of Jesus, just say disciples. And one of the first hits were National Geographic, because I wanted to go with the secular, I, I did this study a few months ago, not just recently. National Geographic, which is a historical site, says this. I'm going to go through them one by one. Let's start with the first person. Peter. Peter was crucified upside down by Nero. Let's pause there. If you, if you understood the import of this, Peter, that denied Jesus before Jesus died in front of a little girl, house girl, was ready to die. If Jesus, if he didn't see Jesus resurrected, would Peter have died? Peter would not. He loved Jesus, but if the test of the, the chicken showed us what Peter would do on a normal day. Next, Andrew, Peter's brother, he was scourged and tied to a cross to die. 
a long and painful death. In fact, they said they told him to deny. He didn't deny. They said, so because he didn't deny, the guy says, I love you. I want to give you an opportunity. He says, he's not going to take it. And because he didn't take it, he says, they scorched him. They peeled the same whipping as they did for Jesus. But they now didn't nail him. They left him hanging so that his death would be painfully long. That was how Andrew died. The next, James. This is James, son of Zebedee. He was killed by Herod with the sword. And guess what? His accuser, they, they set up some, some, you know how they do it, what um, uh, Jezebel did, that they set up, they, they find one foolish person to come and accuse someone in the court of law just because they want to get rid of the person. So the accuser that accused him, they just picked him, they gave him money, they accused him. He, that accuser saw resurrection power. The accuser said, you too, he wants to be crucified. He wants to be killed for Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus and was martyred with James. These are historical records. John. John was actually the only one that not died violent death. They tried to kill him. History has it. They put John in hot boiling oil and he came out alive. It's awesome. So they just, they just put him in, secluded him in the Isle of Patmos and he died peacefully. 100 AD. And these dates are important. I will explain why. 100 AD. Next. Philip was crucified in Egypt. 54 AD, after the death and resurrection of Jesus. 54 years after Christ died. Next. Bartholomew was skinned alive and beheaded. These people, they stole them. Let go of this confession that this Jesus is alive. And many of them, decades after Jesus had died. Next. Matthew. He was stabbed in the back by a swordman sent by the king of Ethiopia after he criticized the king's morals. He said to the king, what you are doing is a sin. I mean, I wish we had prophets like that in this nation. Well, God is raising more and more, actually. Praise the name of the Lord. There's a generation that are content with collecting brown envelopes and saying to presidents and, and, and leaders that all is well with you. But there's a new generation that is not afraid of the sword, that will speak truth to power. Watch, they are, they are rising. Next, James, son of Alphaeus, killed. By hitting him in the head with a club. They smashed his head. Next. Thaddeus. Thaddeus was crucified in Edassa. And they weren't sure if the Edassa was the Edassa of Turkey or the Edassa of Greece, but he was crucified. And the date is 72 AD. Next. Simon the Zealot. He was crucified in England. 74 AD. Then we have, next, our dear friend, the doubting Thomas. The one that says, if I don't see with my coro eyes, I will not believe. Nobody can baboozle me in this place. Thomas was killed in India by running a spear through him, through his but to his head. I, oh, Pastor, why is this important? This is important because, listen, if, 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 if 500 people said they saw the same thing, not, not only that, if all of these, these apostles, all of them were killed for, for their witness in different parts of the world at different times, and they held on true to the same witness. These people that would have run away, 
If at, at 50 years after, even if it's a lie, let's say they all agreed to lie at the upper room. 50 years after, 70 years after, 100 years after, these guys are 120 years old, they are 90 years old, they are, they are like, well, let, my son, let me tell you the truth. It was a lie. Yo. Because that is what they would say if it was a lie. And they saw Christ crucified. And above all, doubting Thomas was ready to die. Even if I don't believe anybody else. If Thomas was ready to die, that he saw Jesus, Jesus is alive. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that, that a, a secular, a secular, this is an attorney, it's a, it's a, it's a scientific attorney. It's, it's, it's not a common word in our time. But this guy is so learned that he's not even a believer. Listen to his submission. He says, tested by the standards and the ordeals of dual science. He says, by which questions of fact are ascertained and demonstrated in contested questions of right between man and man in courts of justice. He says, the resurrection of Jesus stands as a demonstrated fact. This man says, he says, what's his name again? J.L. Lambs or what? F.J. Lamb. He says, I have weighed the evidence. There is enough proof that this Jesus resurrected. Non-believer. Praise the name of God. But you see, above all, for you and I, above all, for me, I know he's alive because of what he has done in my life. In 1995, 21 years ago, right? Is it? Jesus changed my life. I was going straight to hell, if you know, literally. But Jesus changed. I, look, the transformation that happened in my life I, it cannot be by my strength. I have seen Jesus <laughs> raise the dead. I have seen Jesus heal strange things. Do, do strange from my own life, Jesus. And there are many of you sitting down here. You can attest that in your lives that Jesus is alive. Praise the name of the Lord. So, Christianity, I was reading a blog, uh, because the guy was saying, oh, Christianity is an Oyibo man's religion. Ah, uh, I said, oh, my show. If you even understand that the Christianity has nothing to do with the Oyibo man, started in, in, in the Middle East. But because of his authenticity, that's gone around everywhere, and everybody sees it as true. And why would God do that? Why would God do all this? Why would God, why would God do this? There's only one word that shows us why God will do this. And that word is love. God did all he did because he loves you and I. And love is expressed by one word. Love is expressed by one word. Regardless of the love languages. Yeah, different five languages. Blah, 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 blah. There is only one word that love is expressed in. Shall I tell you the word? The word is sacrifice. What is sacrifice? Whether it is quality, uh, quality time, you're sacrificing your time. Whether it's gift, you're sacrificing your time. Whether it's words of affirmation, you're sacrificing. But regardless of your love language, whether it's acts of service, you're sacrificing. If you have someone that says he loves you, you know, and he cannot sacrifice for you, my sister, continue to pray. God has not sent the right man. <laughs> you know, lady says, oh, oh, pastor, oh, this guy, we are, we are really into each other. He's so amazing. Oh, God has found him. So, talk it, talk it, talk it, okay. So, I, I can't, so I, you, you guys talk a lot. So, yeah, we talk a lot. We just and this and this and this. You know, long story short, I discovered that she's the only one always calling. 
said, but pastor, it doesn't matter. You know, this is love. I said, wake up. There's only one word for love. And it's called sacrifice. The amount of sacrifice you can give for someone is the level of which you love the person. I'm telling you. Remember, why back in the day, I mean, you know, when, when <laughs> you are toasting your wife, you, if, if she says she wants your, your hand, you say, my dear, which one? Is it the right one or the left one? <laughs> that is what you would say. Why? Because we're willing to sacrifice. We had the uh, Omar Glow on, uh, on Friday. And one of the things that the men said is that eh, eh, when we were dating, I used to go to Ibadan twice a day, but things have changed though. But listen, you, you could sacrifice because you what? You love. And the sacrifice should not end. Why? Because the love should not end. Do I get an amen? amen. So the greatest form of sacrifice and the greater the sacrifice the greater the love. And Jesus says to us in John 15, 13, he says, there is no greater love than this, that a man should lay down his life for his, his friends. So the nails could not keep Jesus on the cross. Death could not hold Jesus in the grave. It was love that kept him on the cross. And that's not the end. It was love that raised him from the dead. It was love. He loves me. He loves you. That's why he did it. And unfortunately, we measure God's love for us by what we have or what we don't have. We measure God's love for us by, by what has happened to us or what has not happened to us. You know, when, when somebody has a, a good brand new car, we say, oh, God has really been good to him. When someone has, has a big house, a fat bank account, oh, he says, God has really been good to her. But you see, the truth is this. In Christ, God has been good to us regardless of what we have or who we are. God has been good to us regardless of what we have or who we are. In Christ, why? Because the proof of God's love is not what we are or who we are. The proof of God's love is the cross and an empty grave. Therein lies the depth, the width, the length, the breadth of his love for you and I. So, boy meets girl. Boy says, I love you. Tori Toro. You are the only cockroach in my cupboard. You are the only sugar in my tea. But you see, the truth is that girl knows that that is not a finality. Or rather, girl that is wise knows that that is not a finality. Because he has not committed. Right? So, boy meets girl. Boy chop love so much. Boy is willing to do anything for girl. And boy goes on his knees and say, will you marry me? Oh. That's why you say oh now. Don't you watch romantic movies? He says, will you marry me? Okay. Then, then, while she's still, boy on his knees, Brings out a ring and opens it. <laughs> and opens it. And he says, Yes, 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 yes. Hey. 
I remember when I toasted my wife. Oh, don't let me tell you that story. I will let her tell it herself. The things your pastor did. So boy goes on his knees and, and proposes and, and gives a ring. And the girl saying yes and taking the ring means she is saying no to every other guy. As saying yes and taking the ring means she's saying no to every other guy. But you know what? The cross is Jesus going on his knees and saying, I love you. The resurrection is Jesus bringing out his scar and saying, this is the proof that I love you. Will you marry me? Oh. <laughs> and, you know, when we say yes to Jesus, we are, we are automatically saying no to every other person, to every other God, to every other idol. We are saying yes to Jesus. And this love thing is so personal that it's, it's so amazing. Like if, you, if, you, if you haven't experienced it, you know, if, if, someone, you know, if someone is in love, looks like a crazy person. Have you noticed? Imagine, you have a, teenage, a little boy, a little girl, boy, girl, grew up, became a teenager, finished school, now it's, it's, it's done, and he comes to you, and you're still living in your house, driving your car, and he says, oh, oh, and she says, your daughter comes to you, and says, oh, oh, daddy, I love him. You first swallow. <laughs> Do you know what love is? <laughs> or your son says to you, Mom, 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 I don't like the way you are talking about her. I love her. You see, I'm not, I'm not abusing. I'm just saying that she, she, her sketch can go a little lower. Mom, mom, I told you I don't like it. It was a love. <laughs> and many times, if you are not the one experiencing it, It's difficult to explain. It's difficult. It's difficult. Try and get a man. I'm, and I'm serious. To really explain how he loves his wife. He can't. Okay. How, let me explain how I love my wife. You can't even understand. Words fail me. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. And it, 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 it's a story I read about the uh, University of Chicago School of Divinity. There, there was a man, a, a, a solid guy. I mean, he was a professor of theology. And he was saying to people, he was saying to the people that were gathering that Jesus is not alive. Jesus is not alive. His name his name, I don't want to miss his name. It was Dr. Paul, Paul Tillich. I, I read the journal a few, um, some time ago. Um, the the write-up. True life story. And he, 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 he was opening Hebrew, Greek, all sorts of, I mean, Septuagint, you know, Orishi Rishi. And when he finished, the man got up and the man took an apple. And the man. That was how they said he ate the apple.
They said, crunch, crunch, crunch. So you have to hear my crunch, crunch, crunch. So the man said, Dr. Tilly. I may not know Hebrew. I may not know Greek. But I want to ask you a question, doctor. And the whole room was silent. The man here have a catchup now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and the old room was silent. I want to put this question. It says, I have only one question, doctor. How does my apple taste? And, and doctor, Paul, Tillich says, in, in, in a quintessential way, adjusted his jacket and said, in a very educated way, an intellectual way, I cannot possibly answer that question, for I haven't tasted your apple. And the man says, neither have you tasted by Jesus. <laughs> If you've tasted my Jesus, you will know about resurrection power. If you've you've tasted my Jesus, you will know he's alive and well. You know he has the power to save, power to heal, power to deliver, power to set free. Power! If you have tasted my Jesus, the word of God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm the one eating the apple. You cannot tell me how it tastes. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah! Let's give him praise. Let's just adore him. Let's adore the Lord of glory. I know he owns my future. Ask the music to go on in the background. Does the music? I want to let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. The cross is Jesus going on his knees on one knee and saying, I love you. Can you be mine? The resurrection is Jesus showing you his hands and saying, Can you be mine? I want to pray with you if you are here you've never given your life to Jesus or you used to be born again but you've backslidden you've gone back you want to come back today I want to pray with you I say pastor can I come forward no wherever you are seated I want to pray with you wherever you are seated you don't need to come forward that is me pastor pray with me I want to accept this proposal I want to say yes to Jesus and no to the enemy Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, and I'll pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me. God bless you. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. Well, well, well. Over your head. God bless you. Right there. 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 Over there. God bless you. At the back. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Over there. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Over there. Keep the hands up. My brother. God bless you. Keep the hands up. That is me. I need to say yes to this proposal. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. I can see that hand. God bless you. That is me. These instructions are scrolling on the screen. If you are online, I can face tomorrow because he lives a glorious God. 
everyone that is surrendering to you this day, we ask, my Father, that you breathe upon them. Lord, that their work with you will be tangible and real. The way you called Mary, and she said, Rabboni, the fondness in the voice, the, the tightness of the relationship, Lord, let it be all our portions, O God of heaven, in the mighty name of Jesus. This one particularly cleansed them totally. Every one of us, let the work of the cross and the power of resurrection burst forth in our lives and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord.